Hello, Waterloo Road superfans and people who pressed the wrong button on their iTunes app. My name is Tom Beasley and I am your host on Everything From Nothing, the Waterloo Road podcast. Just popping in before the actual podcast gets going to give some shout outs to our Patreon supporters. If you would like to support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com slash Waterloo Road pod. And there are a number of different tiers there for you to uh, give some support to the podcast and also get your mitts on some great exclusive content. By the time you're listening to this, of course, the Series 1 Awards podcast is still there. The uh, extra interview with Jamie Glover is still there. We have announced our next interview, which will be coming in a few weeks. To find out the identity of that person, head on over to the Patreon and hit the subscribe button. And also next week, we will be debuting our second Patreon-exclusive episode, which is a breakdown of the character of Lorna Dickey, what they did right, what they did wrong, and what we would have done differently if we were running the show at the time. But in the meantime, let's give a shout out to those of you who have subscribed. So thank you very much to Matthew Kumar, to Tom Percival, to Georgia Leah, who is the Avocado Bath on both Instagram and TikTok, and to Eliza from the Waterloo Road Iconic channel on both Twitter and Instagram. Thank you to you guys, and I hope that there will be some more of you joining the ranks soon who will be getting shout outs on the next podcast. But in the meantime, please do enjoy this episode. Who are ya? Hello and welcome to another episode of Everything From Nothing, the Waterloo Road podcast. The podcast I now feel justified in calling that. And so I think, I feel like I say the name with more vigour now. No, again, it happened in one episode. <laughs> it hasn't happened since. It doesn't happen in this one. So we're still, what are we? We are 23 to 3 up on our references to everything from nothing. The thing that you hinged this podcast on. Just to, look, just, just I like think, it. Just think of the readership or readership, the listenership we would have if you hadn't just buried it in some obscure reference. Oh, yeah, if I'd called it Epirode by Epirode, they'd be people lining like, up. People would be like, oh, a Waterloo Road podcast where it says Epirode by Epirode? These guys must be geniuses. <laughs> I love the idea that, you, that we, you think we've got people going, oh, I really wish there was a podcast about Waterloo Road. And then they search it on iTunes and they go, it's called Everything From Nothing? No. <laughs> I don't understand this. This can't be a legitimate real Waterloo Road podcast. <laughs> It's not that people won't, you know, because the whole title is called the Waterloo Road Podcast. I'm just saying that, you know, when you've got the little snippet on your phones, it's you're seeing more of everything from nothing before you're seeing Waterloo Road. That's just, you know, play the usability, Tom. Look, it's a niche podcast anyway. <laughs> Speaking of descriptions, um, I realized this morning when I put on the iPlayer, um, they give you a description of the whole show. And the description itself is a spoiler. Why? Because it's called Affairs, Scandals, Blackmail, and Many, Many Head Teachers. Now, we're in Series 3, where we have only had one head teacher. <laughs> apart from one glorious week of Andrew Treneman's Iron Rule. And like 20 seconds of that guy who was throwing paper off the roof at the first episode. Yeah. like, <laughs> we, And then, so, the description of the show is poking fun at the show itself, which I don't appreciate. That's our job. We... <laughs> We okay. do the comedy here. <laughs> it's okay when we say it. It's not okay when you say it. Um, and then it's also saying that you know, there might be an era of time when Jack Bremer is not in charge. Well, he's barely in charge as it is these days. But, <laughs> but he's not, not even nominally in charge. <laughs> no, well, well, we'll take that bridge when we come to it. <laughs> when we have to deal with, uh, with Jack not being there. What? <laughs> Um, but for now, what we have is um, is football. This episode is a football episode of Waterloo Road. It is brought to you by two football chants. <laughs> and the only two... Who fo- are you? <laughs> the, um, how late is that? Oh, yeah. We'll wait till we get to that scene where she blows up. Um, <laughs> So we start with um, Janice and Maxine um, doing a raffle to raise money for the um, football kits. 
they are telling local people um, that they uh, buy some tickets. Two pound a raffle ticket, which does feel a lot. It does. Like in the going rate right for a raffle is a pound for a strip of tickets. Um, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> it depends on. Yeah, I think you know. Mind you, it is a week in Marbella, which is a big prize for a raffle. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're paying. You, you, you know, you're, you're paying for a lot there. Yeah. But no, I can't remember that time I took part in a raffle. As a, as a parent, I feel obliged like I should do more raffles, but also <laughs> no. Yeah, you have more opportunities to enter raffles than... <laughs> like, the thing is, right, and I don't want to get into a whole thing about this, but the only gift is wine. And, like, wine tastes like piss. And I don't drink. I, I am, you know, I am excluded. I am discriminated against from raffles because I don't drink. And I'm the only, like... It was like when lockdown started and the class WhatsApp group that we are horrendously a part of... Um, Everyone's like going on the first day of teaching your child from home. It was just like, oh, gonna need to be on the wine tonight. And we're like, oh. I always, I always think of it as that um, the Peep Show quote when Jez orders the expensive wine and he takes it, takes a sip, <laughs> and he goes, "It's nice, yeah, not really delicious, like hot chocolate or coke, but for wine, <laughs> <laughs> it's just horrific." And it's just like. You know, apparently it's just like that thing where you have a child, and then suddenly it's like, if you don't drink wine, you're actually a cretin. <laughs> well, if lockdown stops anything, it's the importance of alcohol to British culture. But uh, I just, I don't get it. I don't. Like I said to my family the other day on a Zoom call that I had had my first like can of cider for the whole of lockdown, and they nearly ended the call. They were so shocked. Yeah. I managed and they to get were also, through three months of lockdown without drinking alcohol. They were so drunk they couldn't touch off the button. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. It went in my favour. Um, but yeah, so Jack is in therapy. Um, they're talking about how maybe he um, blames himself for rushing in with, with Izzy. Um, but Jack is too macho for therapy. We learn that very quickly. He's, uh, yeah. he's against the whole thing. Yeah. Because men, men be against therapy. They do. Um, he, we know he's against it because he calls the, the therapy lady Nurse Ratchet when he speaks to Davina, um, <laughs> which I don't think is a reference that crosses over very well with Waterloo Road fans. I don't, I don't know. We have to ask him. <laughs> if you are in the Venn diagram of One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest at Waterloo Road. If, if you are a Waterloo Road fan who is preparing to dress as Nurse Ratchet for Halloween, <laughs> which may or may not be this week, I don't know. <laughs> I forgot you were doing a bit. I didn't even know. <laughs> I'm always I'm doing like, a, bit, a bit, Tom. It's a bit of a long way away. <laughs> um, so yeah, Davina's off on her uh, two-night residential course. Um, flaming yeah. residential course. Fla- yep, yeah, sorry, of course. A flaming <laughs> residential course. 98% of my notes this week, just when Jack says flaming. Yeah, and Jack but it spreads. Put- <laughs> it spreads. We get flamings from Jack, Tom, and Chloe this week. <laughs> Um, so yes, Jack has booked a, a flaming weekend away to Flaming Paris for when they get back. Um, five star luxury. Um, so, I just, uh, did you? You've seen it before, but obviously, the first time you saw this, when you had the kids doing the raffle tickets, which they then said was a con. See, no, I know where you're going with this, and I didn't when I first saw it. And as soon as Jack then shows the Paris tickets, I go, <laughs> I can just jump to the end of the episode. Yeah. I know exactly where this is yeah. going. It's... Yeah. No, watching it now, obviously, you go, yeah, of course, like, obviously. But... but yeah, I was just, as soon as I did that, I was like, it was so transparently like, <laughs> yep, that's where it's going. Um, so yeah, then we see the football team, they're training, they're not particularly good. Um, Janice and Maxine have apparently claimed that they've washed hundreds of cars, and that's where they've got all of this uh, money for the kits. Um, uh, Tom snipes at Jack about maybe he should have flogged his bravery award, like the 66 World Cup squad. <laughs> I say, uh, he's got, Tom's been able to mould football knowledge of self-righteousness, yeah. <laughs> which has therefore put him at the peak of his powers. If, if he was able to accuse Lorna of something at the same time... Yeah. <laughs> We would have reached the most powerful version of Tom. It's like he's finally like entered his natural habitat as a football coach. You feel like there was always one in there. 
Yeah. The thing, like, I want to get this up front, right, is the thing I hate about all football storylines in all forms of entertainment, film, television, whatever, is they never for a second teach anybody how to kick a football. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, then, so there's the Mary Kay and Ashley film, I think it's called Switching Goals. Switching Goals, yeah. Where it's all about one of them being a great football player, one of them not being but everyone can play football. No one there can play football. <laughs> no one can kick a ball properly. It's, it's endemic in American cinema. <laughs> it happens in She's the Man as well. They can't kick a football on that. Like Channing Tatum, Channing Tatum can move like an angel, but he can't play football for sin. Yeah, but they're American. I feel like there's just a standard issue there. <laughs> and I don't want to like, take away from the idea that maybe there was something that I can do slightly better than Channing Tatum, but still... <laughs> And Airbud. Airbud is egregious. I tell you what, right? Channing Tatum. I bet Channing Tatum can't do a Waterloo Road podcast. Oh no, he would struggle. Yeah, he did. <laughs> There's a GMTV reference in this episode that would floor Channing Tatum. <laughs> he wouldn't know what to do with it. <laughs> 66 World Cup squad? Who were they? <laughs> Was that when the Red Sox won the series? What's yeah. happening? Um, so around the same time, uh, Dante tells Chloe that he's just not bothering to come into school, despite the fact he's walked to school. Um, he says he's bunking off, quote, for a good cause. It turns out he's going looking at flats because Dante has no perspective on anything. No. Nope. <laughs> like, they have got a house that either they or Mika own. <laughs> Where they have, they own like, the I need to go and shell out nine hundred pounds for two months' rent. They own the house, and Tom pays all of the bills. Yes, and <laughs> so like they're living in the best world, and Tom is like somehow remarkably okay with Chloe and Dante somehow. So I, don't, I just don't. I think he just resigned himself after the wedding, <laughs> <laughs> um, where he was forced to admit that he had no relevance to their life. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, so uh, Jack uh, tells the uh, new secretary, Bridget, to lie about the excellence in cities funding because there is an advisor coming to take a look at the money. Um, Eddie immediately decides that he fancies the advisor, <laughs> which is a level of horniness I don't think we've previously seen from Eddie. No, no, not That's in Jack's forte. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna say like if if a if a woman in her thirties walks into the school, usually she's just not safe around Jack. I mean, we do later see Jack basically unable to speak around this <laughs> advisor. But I think that I don't think that's because of attractiveness. I think that's because of his many many crimes. I think it's a bit of both. <laughs> it's like you've got me banged to rights, and also, can I buy you a drink? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what if you remember back to series one. That's basically what he did with Ms. Davenport. He hopes that she would ignore all of the glaring problems if he took her for a drink. And then she walked out the door because he spoke to Steph, if I remember rightly, after Steph had saved his life. I um somewhere during this scene, Jack texts like Davina. She's been gone for like 20 minutes, and we know that Jack's being through some stuff, but that text game is very weak. It is it's very me in year nine energy. Like, I remember I had my first, like, air quote, girlfriend in year nine. And during it, God, this is, this is the most middle-class anecdote. Um, we, <laughs> our school went to, like, a group of people from our school were selected to go to London to take part in a child debate in the Houses of Parliament. I know, <laughs> we'll leave that there. <laughs> Whatever. That, that wasn't an option at my school. <laughs> no. <laughs> Right, I get it, I know, whatever. We saw The Lion King, we had Pizza Hut, it was glorious. Um, <laughs> but like, so two days before this, I went, I got my, my first proper girlfriend. And then I was like, so panicked about the idea that me being away from school for a day would mean she'd fall, like not be into me anymore. But I'd probably text her a good every 18 minutes. <laughs> and let me say, that's not the person I currently live with. So. <laughs> I hear she's you, married. Still, you, still, you still text her, it's just every half an hour now. <laughs> yeah. I hear she's married with a child and I'm not responsible for either of them. <laughs> oh, so the football kids are um, chanting obnoxiously in Jasmine's class. Um, they're, yeah, they're just being a nightmare, effectively. Um, she snaps and gives the whole class detention, despite the fact it clashes with their football match. 
I like people seem to have an issue. Like I find it so weird. Like all of the teachers decide to back the kids rather than her <laughs> in this, and they're like, "We need to show her our backing, our backing, not by supporting her decisions, her no. right made decisions. It's just by you know giving her a, a like you know a G up." But yeah, they only know who are you. <laughs> who are you? <laughs> I don't just annoy me. I remember once we. This is a less middle class anecdote from my school years. Um, in year, well, I don't know. It was talking about the internet. Maybe you guys didn't have that. <laughs> um, so we would just put .com at the end of every sentence, and we thought that was really funny for like twenty minutes, and then eventually our teacher exploded. <laughs> yeah, as as you say, the um, the rest of the teachers do not support her. She goes and panics to Eddie because once she realizes what's happening, and Eddie basically says, "Ah, we'll sort it." Um, he goes to Tom, and Tom basically says, if she puts them in detention, I will drag them out onto the pitch. <laughs> it's like the 1966 World Cup squad. Yes, much as they would have done. West Germany tried to put them in detention. <laughs> and Gareth Southgate said no, because this is my <laughs> destiny. Gareth Southgate grabbed that Russian linesman, and he said, right, <laughs> you give... I think that's how it happened. <laughs> Um, so yes, uh, Dante has found a flat. It's, oh. um, it's, <laughs> this is it's, so depressing. <laughs> it's 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 a perfectly okay, adequate flat. It's bigger than my flat. No, um, it's not that it's a flat. It's a house. <laughs> it is, it's absolutely a house. It's a modern, decked out house. It but is... later they refer to it as a flat. So I was very confused. It is a house. It's clearly <laughs> a house. <laughs> the, f- the the first one he sees is a house, and then the later, the scuzzy one, <laughs> the scuzzy one. Scuzzy air quotes, um, which every London-based person who listens to this will probably go, "Yep, I like to live there." Yeah, that's exactly what I was doing. I was going, "Yeah, <laughs> it's it's furnished." Which... <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, me... what a furnished flat? <laughs> yeah, this like this like lovely house, and he says to his agent, "What's the damage?" And he goes, "470 pounds per calendar month." I was like, "This is insane." That's insane. I rented yeah, one with room... Two, with a two-month deposit, which is less than a grand. That is a <laughs> deposit of less than a thousand pounds. I rented one room in a house of six people for 900 pounds a month in Mitcham. Have you ever been to Mitcham, Tom? I have been to Mitcham. <laughs> it's tragic. And Dante's like, 470 pounds a month for this house with my land. And, oh, the staff... <laughs> I don't, know if it's, I don't know if it's a Northeast thing or a Northern thing, but I'm against it. I'm against all of it. Yeah. So um, Jasmine has another nightmare lesson. This time she's basically being teased by, by Bolton. Um, the class are going mad. There's nothing she can do about it. She's already having a struggle. And so she just walks out of the classroom. Um, she, she can't hack it. Um, she goes off to, to uh, cry around the back of the building. Um, Eddie happens to be passing because someone always happens to be passing. I, I've, I've got this note in the next episode as well, but 95% of Neil Morrissey's lines seems to be to just walk somewhere and see someone and say, can I help you? Yes. That is, that is his primary function. He's, just, he's like a shark. He has to keep moving around the school. <laughs> <laughs> he's never seen teaching anywhere. He's just always, like, every time someone is in need of help, he just appears. We, like, we had that one scene in the first episode that like, is supposed to establish him as some sort of teaching virtuoso. <laughs> and then from that day, he's never set foot in a classroom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I taught a girl pie in bottom set, and now I'm done. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Now he just stalks around the school, yelling at random people. Um, so yeah, he writes a note, hands it to Bolton, presumably believing that Bolton won't read the note. <laughs> the note he just folds. <laughs> he just folds, and he just... And the phrasing, it's just, what is he doing? He's, I... he's just written, Jasmine's done a bunk on a bit of paper. <laughs> Uh, he, he, could, he could have achieved that just by saying, Bolton, can you go and tell Mr. Rimmer that Miss Koreshi has left the classroom? Yeah, the idea that it's like that secret, like yeah. Bolton witnessed it. <laughs> Bolton's actually a more credible witness to this yes. than he is. Yes. <laughs> and so Eddie finds Jasmine crying and um, basically gives her a pet talk, um, tries to get her back on side. Um, they arrange um, a compromise about the detention. 
Um, uh, Eddie tells the girls that Jasmine has postponed the detention so they can play football, and they soon find out that she is now assistant coach of the football team. But, as Tom says, does she know the offside rule? Does she? Because men be men. Men be men. He's got his salt and pepper pots ready to explain it. (laughs) Does she know the offside rule? God damn it, Tom. You were supposed to be the best of us. Oh, it's terrible. But so, like uh, earlier on, when he when he learns of the detention and he's having an argument with her about it, he says, "They're year twelve. What did they do? String you up?" And it's like again, Wally Road and it's stringing people up. You know, visual visuals. I don't yeah. get that. Um, but it's like, do you remember that kind of like feeling that once you got into year twelve, you were completely bulletproof? It's <laughs> yes. like rules apply to school children up to year eleven, and then sixth form is just like, oh, they do what they want. Yeah. I remember the shock and awe in one of our sixth form classrooms when one person got sent out and everyone was like, what the? Yeah, it just happened. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's so Jasmine immediately establishes her credentials by weighing in with a tactical opinion in, yeah. in, in the dressing room. But it's not much of a tactical opinion, like... Yeah, not to be that guy, but she's like saying... <laughs> You're, you are so about to be that guy. <laughs> but it's like, uh, the, the credentials here, it's just like, Tom says, let's not go for it and let's get lucky. And she says, no, 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 let's go for it. And then everyone goes, oh. In fairness, right. Tom's Alex, Ferg- Alex Ferguson with longer hair has just waltzed in. Tom's strategy is literally the most depressing thing I've ever heard. So from what we can gather, this is not a league. This is a one-off game. No, no, because Tom later says, during the grand deception, he says, if we find out, we'll get kicked from the league. But there's clearly no league. This is their first game. So it, it's obviously a game like, you know, there's not much hope there. It's their first ever game. And his suggestion is bulk up the midfield and I hope we get a lucky ball through to our lone striker. Right. Again, I'm a West Brom fan. And for two and a half years, we were managed by Tony Pulis. That, that is ambition compared to what we used to have to watch. <laughs> Some of the dross I've sat through in the name of football, Tom's been a bit ballsy with that. No. It's like it's not like Jasmine is suggested they go out there and try and play like Barcelona. <laughs> yeah, remember your triangles. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like it's not total football. It's just like. <laughs> so yeah. Um, meanwhile, um, Brett uh, has decided he wants to be the male lead in the musical. It takes maybe an iota of persuasion from uh, Mika before he decides this. Mm. Um, so he, they go to um, the rehearsal room. Uh, they're handing out roles. Um, Brett makes a, a, Brett in th- this episode really becomes even more obnoxious than he's but, ever been. Before. We're it, reaching peak Brett, I think. Yeah, it's just because Steph says a loads of words that are basically synonyms for each other, and then Brett goes tautology. And she doesn't understand what the word tautology means because apparently now we're supposed to believe that, that Steph Haydock, as well as being a bad teacher, just doesn't know words she should know. Yeah. And, but like also, the thing I hate about that is that's something that I would do. <laughs> like with when he was correcting the spelling on the, the, the posters a few weeks ago. No, so I, this is a football-related anecdote, so it's doubly good. Um, one of the World Cups, it was probably two or three World Cups ago, um, I went to Sports Direct and bought a se- selection of England-based T-shirts. Oh. So only to oh, get none of this reflects you in a good light. Only, only to get home, put one of them on, and um, realise that it actually had written across it "Enland till I die." <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I feel like I need to never tell another. I went to Parliament. Oh, <laughs> That's it. I'm hoping that between your anecdote about Parliament and my anecdote about a misprinted T-shirt bought from Sports Direct, we can find a middle ground. Mm. Um, so it, Brett then um, they ask Brett to sing to prove that he's you know not terrible, and he sings um, a sort of slowed down a cappella version of "I Predict a Riot." Like I've just arse. got here. I just got. <laughs> Got here, burn him, burn him alive. <laughs> yeah. That was my note. <laughs> just... 
Do you know, it really reminded me of the the um, Hit Me Baby One More Time audition from, like, Pop Stars with oh, Darius. Darius. <laughs> Which I realise, like, there are young members of our audience. Like, that is a reference. Oh, just search it. Darius. You'll, they'll all know Darius because he sung the seminal hit uh, Colourblind. <laughs> no one, no one younger than us knows colorblind. For the love of God, Tom, colorblind <laughs> is fantastic. It's a great. No, I like uh, it. <laughs> right, I don't know how intense the Spotify algorithm is, but on the playlist cheesy hits, it's always on there. <laughs> so I don't know whether they're just tailoring it to me as a click as like a clearly mid twenties. We'll give him. We'll give him colorblind again. We'll give him. <laughs> Yeah, it's the third time today. No, we'll give it. Keep him coming. This guy listens to Kiss Me and Torn. What should we play instead? We'll throw out Colorblind. Please, no more Natalie and Brilliant. So we then we get the next establishment of Jasmine's football genius because they the, some of the girls kick the ball towards her and she does keepy ups immediately. But again, classic football film football TV show is it's all filmed exclusively from the waist down. Yes. <laughs> there's, a le- there's a level of cutting. And you just see her head is just bobbing up and down as she's doing it. Um, so so uh, I, have no, I have no doubt that yeah, this is a 20 episode series now. They don't have a schedule to teach someone who may not have ever played football to do competent amount of keepy ups. But still, just to like give any of the people here the correct shape when kicking the ball... <laughs> It just does so much. I love that you expected them to Daniel Day-Lewis it and for her to literally learn how to... <laughs> no, but just like, just if you're going to pretend this person can like do keepy-ups, just show them how to kick a football. Because <laughs> I'm pretty certain with Tom as well, there's some point where it's like, oh, he's near a football and it's just clear he has no idea what he's doing. <laughs> it's like, yeah, everyone here is involved in theatre and musical theatre when they were kids. None of this has a crossover. Just give him a day of training. Um, so Chloe finds out that Dante has gone and got this flat. He spent all the wedding money on it, and, and she's livid. And the way he sort of says, "Oh, now we've got a space of our own," and you're like, "Is this about sex again, Dante? Is it really?" I know. Maybe take me back to seventeen years old, and I may have been prepared to buy a flat to have sex. <laughs> It's a minimum 12-month commitment at £470 per month. No, he doesn't get that one. That one's too much. He goes to the scuzzy one, where he tries to rearrange pictures in the rental property. Now, I don't know what things are like up in the north, but the first place that me, my wife, and our daughter had in, um, in London, we had a crazy landlady who hated the fact that we took a picture down and put up a picture of our family on it. <laughs> She got really, really upset by that. Anytime any item of furniture was moved, she went ape. Um, so yeah, back in the audition room, um, they're trying to decide who's going to play the lead female role. It's come down to Alicia and Mika. Um, Matt wants it to be Alicia because um, he thinks she's a better singer. Um, Steph wants it to be Mika, keeps pushing it. And then as Matt is about to announce Alicia, she, she says... She la-la lands him. She, she full-on la-la lands him. <laughs> And goes, it's Mika. And uh, they then proceed to offer Alicia the role of girl gang leader, which she fairly turns down. <laughs> I was just like, what bloody musical is this? <laughs> well, it's a self penned one from Matt, isn't it? That's, those are never good. <laughs> I remember, like, I once, for, because I used to be doing, I used to do loads of performing arts stuff, and we did this, like, weekend one where. I wrote a script which was an adaptation of The Lion King, <laughs> which had had a very, very good uh, Michael Jackson joke in it, but it happened around about the time Michael Jackson died, so it was cut and you know, more humanely replaced with a Gary Glitter one. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, it was very well received. It's also still, on, it's, it's on safer legal, legal ground. Gary Glitter was convicted. Like, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> um, so uh, Janice and Maxine have gone out to buy the football kits. They're also buying themselves trainers because why not? Because um, this, this, this school is just lawlessness. Yeah. 
Um, meanwhile, the raffle woman has shown up at the school. She also gets the um, Eddie stalking the hallways bumps into her treatment. He does this <laughs> twice in two episodes. Every now and again, Eddie's just walking around the entrance. He's like, can I help you? Can I help you? <laughs> to find any stray adults wandering around. Yeah. If we listen to that Neil Morrissey podcast where he badmouthed the show, he's like, <laughs> 85% of my lines were, can I help you? <laughs> um, so yeah, so uh, the woman is very upset. Um, Jack finds out, obviously, goes over to Tom and has a go at him about Marbella. <laughs> Jack says he wants to um, find the people responsible and, quote, hang them up by their thumbs. <laughs> because Jack only does medieval punishments. Well, yeah, he just takes his lead from Janice. There is something we've missed. <gasps> I've checked the notes. When there is the um, casting scene, Matt gets upset with Steph for Lala landing him. And then she just goes silent, bends over and just says, smack bottom <laughs> at him. And the thing that like, I, re- I really just liked about this is both, ugh, just ugh, but it's like, the, the odd thing is, like, his rejection of that is not about it being a wildly inappropriate thing to do in the workplace. The, his rejection of that is clearly framed as, like, the fact that he's gay. Yeah. And they're building up, like, the reveal of that being, like, a drama yeah. or something. It's also, it's massive hypocrisy from Steph, who has spent the last series and a half having a go at Jack for being with someone younger than him. Yeah, I know. She's like, <laughs> she, she is utterly convinced in her ability to nab this gorgeous 25-year-old man. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> it's like, Steph, Steph, play your cards, right? Yeah. Play them. Know, know your boundaries. <laughs> yeah, I know we're jumping ahead a bit, but so proud were they of the smack bottom moment that it's in the previously on in the next episode. I don't, why? <laughs> but it is, it's just... Because, like, the fact that they bring it in the previously on is it's all about building up this idea that Matt is at some point going to come out to Steph or whatever. And it's going to be like, oh, it's only because Matt's gay that he didn't do that. It's like, no, no teacher would do that. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so the, uh, we have a brief scene with the, um, the finance lady who is very much kept in the background of this episode in favour of football drama. <laughs> yeah. But the thing this, is, what... this is obviously a major plot line. But it's really like, she basically says, so she leaves and she goes, oh, I'm worried about the details. I'm not going away, basically, is what she says. Before she goes away. Yes. <laughs> the, um, but the thing that's interesting with all of her scenes, it's like, we, we believe that her and Jack have been in that room for some time. She then asks him, where is the money? And someone will open the door and interrupt. Yeah. It's like, why doesn't the next time Jack here comes in, why doesn't she open with that? <laughs> yeah. It's always she does the five minutes of pleasantries first. It's always the last thing she asks before he gets interrupted. Rather, well, than, okay, how have you been, Jack? Since I last saw you five minutes ago, oh, you've, yeah, that's good. you've just come in from an interruption. Now I'm going to ask you, where is the money? Um. So yeah, then we get to we get a brief scene with Tom and Chloe, where Tom, for some reason, maybe he's distracted by football. He's got visions of Gareth Southgate in a waistcoat, flashing in his head. Um. <laughs> But suddenly he's totally okay with them moving out. <laughs> Tom is just all over the place. He's, football just addles his brain, clearly. Well, no, it's because the, um, you know, Janice and Maxine have come back with the kits and they've chosen Bradford's colours. <laughs> those, that, those, that's the ugliest football kit in the but world. But they're the colours of the school ties, though, aren't they? But that's disgraceful. They're supposed to match the school colours. Well, no, because like, my school colours were, like, blue... And our kits were like this really odd purple and light blue. It, it was very odd. <laughs> but like, yeah. But you can see why they've done it, is, what, is my point. Um, so yeah. then we get to the football match. And conservatively speaking, the opposition captain is about nine and a half foot tall. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this reminds me of, so when I used to play um, football, there was this thing in Yuki called the West Country Cup. And you had clubs come from all over the country. Like it was called the West Country Cup. One day we played a team from Dundee. Now I, just, <laughs> I don't know how no, that happened. I'm not. I'm not good at geography. <laughs> like cars on the table, but I know roughly where Dundee is. <laughs> it's not in the West Country. Yeah, I can only remember it because we made. Well, no, I say we made. I made loads of Braveheart jokes. Um, <laughs> 
And but there was this one year we played this team and they were from around Liverpool. But the thing is, is your age groups, whereas in normal football it was like under elevens, twelves, etc. It was one year. For this cup, it was two years. Now, I need to tell you the difference between a 13-year-old boy and a 15-year-old boy. So we, these little Cornish people, were playing these 15-year-old men from Liverpool. And we were utterly hammered. It was a disgrace. Dundee's not in Liverpool. <laughs> no, these are other people. Oh, I'm sorry. Saying, I was painting a picture of how wacky this tournament was. <laughs> that In this West Country Cup, we play people both from Liverpool and Dundee. Liverpool, Liverpool's in the northwest. It's alright. <laughs> I wouldn't call it the West Country. <laughs> no, it's it's like when you were playing football at a certain age, all of the discussion pre-match when you saw the opposing team was about how tall they were compared to you. Yeah, it was a major concern in any like Sunday League football team. Oh, they've got us lads. They're so big. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's got bum fluff. Let's get away from yeah, this. Yes, yeah, do it. So yeah, the match starts. They're playing the girls by Calvin Harris, which feels quite on the nose. <laughs> Yeah. For this girls' football match. They could have played sisters are doing it for themselves. Yeah. I mean, even more stereotypical is the fact that Danielle is terrible in goal because she doesn't want to go near the ball. <laughs> Why is she in the football team? Yeah. That's the thing. She just wouldn't... She's just a speaking character, so they gave her this role, but they don't yeah. kind of build in any idea that she and would... They, they thought it would be funny if she was in goal, presumably. Yeah. I um, did, one thing I did enjoy about the football is that obviously none of the actresses are in character. <laughs> while while it's happening, you can just see them all smirking and laughing. And also, again, not to go on and on about tactics, but the opposition, they only have one move. They give it to the girl on the wide right and she cuts it in. That's all they've got. You need to get football savant Jasmine in there to explain. It's like you you double up on the girl on the wide right and you put Steve Sid- Sidwell in. <laughs> they've the always pop- got him in the back pocket. <laughs> on the person spreading it wide and then you cut them off. They've got nothing else. Um, yeah, we should also say that Gradley and Tom have obviously got a side bet on the match. <laughs> Gradley has bet against Waterloo Road for £100. <laughs> and he's openly applauding the other team. <laughs> Gradley's already in my bad books in this episode because it was seen his bad mouth in the Labour government again. <laughs> um. So at this point, uh, the raffle lady turns up again, except this time she sort of mobilised a group of local residents who've all been ripped off about this raffle. And it's at this point, this is going to spark 20 minutes of discussion. She says, it's like GMTV all over again. So it's in the, it's in the, um, it's in Jack's office. Yeah. And it's not her, it's the other guy whose name we don't get, but he's the other guy who speaks. And he says, it's GMTV all over again. And that meant that I spent my Thursday morning Googling GMTV raffle see, scandals. You see, those of us who were sort of, you know, it, like in the noughties, it was a massive deal, the premium rate phone line scandal, because Richard and Judy was involved and lots of the big ITV talent shows were involved. Like, I think X Factor, I think, had to suspend its premium rate phone lines for one series because this was all happening. No, see, I missed all of that. <laughs> What was I doing in 2007? It wasn't dating girls. Yeah. I mean, basically, basically the, the, the long and short of it was that people were paying for these premium rate phone lines and then were not being entered into the competitions and had no chance of winning. Yeah. And for some reason, like, they were found, fined like two million quid, like something like 45 million pounds of money was spent by people who had no chance of winning. And then this guy who got shot, like, shafted out two quid for a raffle ticket is going, this, this right here, it's GMTV all over again. <laughs> yes. And then inevitably, Jack has to raffle off his weekend in Paris. In probably the saddest raffle I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's depressing. But like... And like, the beautiful thing is that Jack tries to like inject some showmanship into it. <laughs> like, he really goes for it. The total sum of what they had there was like 200 quid. Surely you could have just found something in that room that was worth two hundred pounds. That you can have this. Not he's still got he's still got the bravery award. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The unspecified got, trophy on the desk. Yeah, the gladiator trophy that he has on the desk. That must be worth twenty quid in scrap. <laughs> um. So having been having seen the group of uh, protesting residents, Janice and Maxine have scarpered, yes. um, fearing reprisals. 
leaving the team uh, several players short, um, at which point football savant Jasmine Qureshi <laughs> decides to utilise, quote, her mum's youthful complexion and decides to play. To be honest, that's what I've been doing with our local boys on the 13th. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're top scorer in uh, the West Country League, aren't you? <laughs> Not really. There's a bigger lad up front who puts it away. <laughs> um, so yes, Jasmine immediately changes the game and um, uh, Clove scores to make it 2-1, then wins a penalty, which she puts away to make it 2-2. Hurrah. Can I just make a point they're playing 11 aside with 9 aside goals? <laughs> wow. Just... Really, cinema yeah. sins you've got on this this Waterloo Road. No, because like when I when me and my dad used to coach a football team, when they went from under 11s to under 12s, that's when they went to 11 aside. And you basically had 12 year old children on these massive pitches in this giant goal, and it was just embarrassing. So I just had this like built up resentment of the fact that they were playing 11 aside and nine aside goals, which is obviously what See, the kids who we when, take- I, when I was playing at age 11 and 12, and when that transition happened, as you said. I, my team had an enormous pitch. It was ridiculous. But some of the teams in, in our league, they had a pitch where the, obviously the penalty box and the, the D and the centre circle were all regulation size. But the edge of the centre circle was effectively touching the D of the 18-yard box. Yeah, yeah, those, those are familiar. Yeah, it was, so it was wildly, <laughs> wildly varying. Some of the, like, you know, sport is a joke in this country. Some of the places... <laughs> I played football were unimagined. Like there was this one place where everyone knew the tactic was is you take the hill in the first half <laughs> and you score more than they do. That was it. You just you go down the hill, you hammer them for the first for the first half, and then you just hope for the best. My school genuinely had a sports pitch which was referred to by literally everyone, students and staff, as the seasick because it was literally like waves of how like uneven it was i think that's a more middle class anecdote than my <laughs> like parliament we had a terrible sports pitch no, no, it was like, so uneven the sophistication of that seasick nickname <laughs> we would have just called it <laughs> but then again i suppose we were never we were never troubled with a subpar sports pitch no exactly yeah you don't know <laughs> what you would have done because you weren't there <laughs> Yeah, we just call it the AstroTurf. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Jack uh, bursts into the changing room after the match. Um, he's shouting at all of the, the kids for the raffle scam. And then he brilliantly just catches sight of Jasmine in the kit and just does a silent double take. <laughs> it, it's very nicely done. Um, so then Jack and Tom have a blazing row in the corridor. They scuffle again, obviously. Um, it's a classic man fight <laughs> because it's like they're just yelling, they scuffle, and then one of them yells something at the end, which is supposed to be a reveal about what all of that fight meant. Yeah, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Yeah, so Jack Jack says um, he talks about Izzy and how he he blames himself, and then Tom goes all Batman v Superman and says, "Don't you mention her name." <laughs> <laughs> um. So Jack then, we see Jack then taking some of his pills and there's a poster behind him for Aston University, which is in Birmingham, which is quite a long way from Rochdale. I just, wonder, I just wonder why of all of the universities. I suppose, um, you know, after a disgraceful footballing display, Aston is the place to go, really. <laughs> Ooh, a little bit of Aston Villa yeah, spice on the podcast. <laughs> I'm from Coventry, so please do slate Aston Villa as much as you would like. Um, we'll do a special. Yeah. <laughs> so back in back in the changing rooms, um, the girls come back in and they're all chanting, there's only one Miss Qureshi. Yes, the other football chant yes. they learned. Famously the other one. Um, so <laughs> Steph, at this point, continues her flirtation with Matt by offering him penne with smoked salmon back at her place. Do you think there was a teacher at your school who was just so rampantly running around trying to have sex with all of her colleagues? No, or his colleagues? Surely not. Um, so at this point, with, with, with Steph, she has penne and smoked salmon going. 
Um, <laughs> and uh, so at this point, Jack hasn't received, he's had a voicemail from Davina, but she hasn't called and they haven't spoken. Um, so he feels rejected and decides to go for a drink with Steph. Um, so we'll, we, yeah, we'll, we'll see, we'll follow them for a bit. So they're in the bar, um, they're talking about the day, and, and Jack drops in a reference to our Lord and Saviour. He says, I can almost hear myself saying, come back, Andrew Treneman. Yeah, I, I wrote down, <laughs> Jack pours one out for our fallen angels. <laughs> <laughs> the man, the Trenny man. <laughs> uh, Steph and Jack continue to get drunk together. They walk home and they kiss while walking home. And Jack, immediately before he kisses her, says the immortal words. In fact, says the words is not right. He growls the words, I'm not a gentleman. It's That line is so rubbish. <laughs> because it's said like it's supposed to have a payoff, as in people think I'm something I'm not. That's what it's kind of like, you know. But no, no one would mistake Jack Rimmer for a gentleman. Exactly. It's just, like, it's an offhand, she makes an offhand conference, like almost acknowledging the fact he's not a gentleman to make a comment about him holding her up. And then he's like, I'm not a gentleman. As if it's like, this whole episode has been about Jack's identity crisis. And it's like, no, this is just rubbish. Stop it. It, it, just, it just reminded me of the Tom line from either series one or two when he's, having, he's getting with Izzy in the classroom and he says something like, oh, just lie back or something like that. And it's, <laughs> it's really unpleasant. Yeah. But of all the baffling things this show does, Jack and Steph is one that has never, ever made sense to me. <laughs> just keeps coming back around. It's just like, it's like oh, God, we, we have two episodes to fill. What do we do? Jack and Steph, fine. Jack and, Steph. and then there's um, someone in the corner going, that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. <laughs> but... It's only the second most ridiculous romantic entanglement in the final five minutes of this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Brett ha- is doing uh, the French tuition with Chloe. Um, Chloe says, this continues the awfulness of Brett Aspinall. Um, Chloe says, um, oh, I'll never be half as you. And Brett just goes, half as good as me is still a remarkable achievement. Again, it's an awful line, but I would say it. <laughs> <laughs> this is saying more about you than it does about um, Brett. Um, so they have another little moment. Brett kisses her and um, they sleep together. Um, afterwards, we see Brett telling Mika that he doesn't want to cheat a Chloe anymore. Um, Chloe is crying and Dante thinks it's about the flat. <laughs> and with those two ridiculous storylines, that's where we end the episode. Yeah, the thing like, you know, again, I know they're kids, but like Brett goes into Chloe's house and immediately starts bad-mouthing it. Brett lives in a mansion and is bad-mouthing a flat a 17-year-old is paying for himself. Like, regardless of how sensible all of this is, it's still pretty impressive that Dante is 17 years old in school and paying for a flat by himself. Yeah, I mean, how I don't know how we're supposed to perceive Brett in this situation. Because we've not been given any reason as to why Chloe would be attracted to him. The hair. So... So, so uh, that's entirely your personal taste. Um, so. a, a, su- a suggestion that one day we were able to say I had sex with someone who looks like Harry Styles <laughs> before Harry Styles was famous. Because until that one moment last week, we had had no suggestion whatsoever that there was anything romantic between the two of them. It's, it's coming up to being one of those like classic Waterloo Road things where towards the end of this storyline, they will say it is Chloe dealing, struggling to deal with the trauma of her mother. And like Brett is someone who builds her up and he's complimenting her. He's saying, you can do this. You are good. And that's something that she is not being told because her mother is no longer around or something like that. But he's I been feel like... awful. He's an awful, awful person in this episode. He yeah. really is. And yet we're supposed to believe, I'd see, I don't know whether the show knows that or not, or whether it's supposed to be always confident and therefore sexy. Yeah. He's the, he's the only person who doesn't have a short back and sides. So in this school, it must be like, oh, come to mama. No, I, I really struggled with that. Um, I, I don't like this storyline. It may have come across. <laughs> <laughs> I always find like the whole like, you know, the regret after sex trope so funny. Like, uh, none of these people have any of these thoughts during this because it's like, it's always that thing where you see a kiss and then suddenly you're in bed after the act four yeah, minutes later. There's a lot. Well, I say a lot of time. There is some time. 
I hesitate to say a lot of time. There is some time between those two events. And surely at some point, there's time for the guilt to kick in. <laughs> yeah, as someone you think, you think about it somehow, and there's like a hesitation. You know, maybe at some point when Brett is trying to take his socks off. <laughs> I feel like that's a good moment for introspection. <laughs> like... <laughs> I think we all have we all have a moment to think about our life at that point. <laughs> Close that. Like, how did it come to this? Because any sort of like mood you're in is immediately at least slightly diminished by the fact you have to pause to take off your socks. <laughs> not not a naturally sexy thing. Yeah. So that's when they can go. Hang on. Let's not. You know, we've kissed. That's bad. Let's stop right there. So we can surmise that they both kept their socks on. I think okay, yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> absolutely what happened. If we've learned anything. At which point do I you know, do I not only want them to be caught, I want them to be caught and punished. <laughs> Hang them up by their thumbs. <laughs> or by their warm toes. Um, so yes, yeah, so that's the end of this episode. The next episode, there's um some fallout from uh Steph and Jack, there's fallout from Brett and Chloe. Um, and there is Jack having some sort of row with Candy Smiley about Bolton possibly being in danger of some kind. Yeah. It's like they were kind of, they were really searching for stuff to put in the next week episode because it's just like, oh no, this, we're just putting in like romance storylines now. All of the main threads are romance ones um, and we can't give away our student of the week already. So let's just throw some stuff in. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult phase of the show, this. <laughs> yeah, so I think that's where we'll leave um, this week's episode of Everything From Nothing, the Waterloo Road podcast. Thank you very much for listening, and we will be back next week. Thank you. Really upset I didn't get to make a reference to her caressing the ball in. I must confess, I still believe, still believe, when I'm not with you, I lose my mind. Give me a sign Hit me baby one more time Baby Hit me one more time It's, it's hilarious because like that episode makes it so clear that we like we are not people who have cheated on people <laughs> we were just like, what about the socks? <laughs>